Bible reading is from Titus, chapter 1, verses 5 to 9. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the change of and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the, to the trustworthy message as it had been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. That is the word of the Lord. We come to our second week in looking at elders, looking at eldership. Um, for those of you who weren't here last week, we talked about the role of an elder, what is an elder. And we explained that one of the reasons that we're doing that, particularly at this time, is that the pastoral team has called for nominations for people to be nominated or to step up to take on that responsibility of being an elder here in the church. There is a, a need for us to have some more elders in terms of the amount of work that gets done across the church. And we're looking, we, we believe that God has gifted people with the skills and the qualities necessary to stand up and be a leader in the church in terms of being an elder. And so we want to go through and talk about what's the role. We did that last week. We, we talked about the fact that an elder is someone who protects the people of God, who error, refutes error, doesn't allow the people to be led astray and to be savaged from outside, to feed the flock, to give truth, to provide that which is necessary to nourish and to help, to encourage, to pray for the people of God, to, to lead, to set direction, to set vision, to care for and to love, to to help in the practical areas of love and to prayer and encouragement and reaching out and looking after and those people who begin to stray to help to bring them back and even those who are outside the church to go and to help them to see Christ. In a nutshell, this is what elders do in the church according to scripture. And what we're going to do this morning is to look at the qualifications of being an elder. Uh, last week was the job description and now it's those requirements that are necessary for someone to step up. So let's pray as we come and we have a look at this. Lord God, as we look at your word and as we think through the sort of people that might be elders, we ask that you help us in our thinking, guide us, 
encourage us. Help us to think of those people who might be gifted amongst us who can step up. Help us to examine our own lives and see whether or not it's that we should be someone who says, yes, this is what God has gifted me to do. Help us to examine our motives in our lives. And we pray that we as a congregation, we as a church amongst all the congregations, might know your will and be able to have those people in leadership whom you have gifted and appointed for us. We ask that you might help us to understand these things. In Jesus' name, Amen. We talked last week that elders work together as a group and that elders are to be servant-hearted. And then the, one of the last things we talked about was that eldership, those who are going to be elders, have to be qualified. Now we seek qualifications in all sorts of areas. I want to go and work as a teacher. They want to see my registration. They want to see if I could teach. When the uh, group that was looking at whether or not to ask me to be an associate pastor here, I had to send them a copy of a sermon and I had to send them my doctrinal statement so they knew I was kind of not... I was, how straight I was and how well I could speak and they wanted to see the sorts of things I'd done in the past so that they could weigh up is this the sort of person who should, could or ought to be amongst us. And we do that in, in all sorts of areas. And the scriptures are no different when it comes to leadership and it outlines a series of qualifications. The, the type of character that a person should have and some of the skills that a person should have to be a leader. And I think it's important for us as a congregation to hear this because, well, I suppose we're a Baptist church. So the, the decision-making process in terms of appointing elders isn't um, someone comes in and says, you're the elder, you're the elder. But we, those who are members of this church, are to pray about it and think about it, to consider the names that are forward before us and to vote. A handbook says that at the meeting, which is going to be the end of November, put it in your diary, the 25th, I think. 25th of November, right? Well, it's one of those. The, the last Sunday, I think it is in November. There's a members meeting in the afternoon. If you're a member, it's not only your opportunity or your right, but it's your responsibility to come and to having considered and put before God who is it who you would like to lead us? You then have that opportunity to vote. And one of the things that will be a part of your decision-making process is to line up these qualifications with the names that have gone forward. So, think on these things. There are three reasons that Scripture gives us that why there are qualifications and why qualifications are necessary. Firstly, in the passage that we talked about, it's because the overseer, the elder, the pastor has a responsibility to be God's steward, if you like, to manage God's household. And the person who is to be God's steward, not, not God's representative, but God's steward, the one who serves, who encourages, who helps, who leads, has to be someone who has able to understand the word of God, capable of handling God's word, and 
the sort of character that God says this is what my people are like. Because the second reason that scripture gives is that that person is supposed to be an example to the flock. 1 Peter, in chapter 5, we read this last week, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, being examples to them. The sort of person who's going to be an elder, who's going to be a pastor, has to be someone, this is really scary, who can say, you know the sorts of, of things I do, this is what Paul says, you can copy that. And that's what mentors do. All of us should reach the stage in our Christian life as we're discipling other people when we model for them how they should behave, how they should think, how they should deal with conflict, all those sorts of things. And if someone's going to be an elder and a pastor over the church, they should be able to do that as well. They should be an example of the sort of mature Christian that God expects all of us to become. And therefore we have to have these qualifications to have this type of person. Thirdly, the scriptures give this idea that we need qualifications so that the church is protected. Just not anybody gets in. But it's someone who's got a track record. Someone who knows the scriptures. Someone whose life is evidencing the faith that they profess. Because that person, the one who has integrity, is the sort of person that you want in leadership. We don't want someone in that position of leadership and direction who's a hypocrite, who's two-faced, who, who, has no, who hasn't shown that they can do or manage because that sort of person shouldn't be leading. You might say, well, why are you telling us all this? Well, because you guys have to make the decision. You guys have to weigh up and think, is this person, are these people the ones whom God would have to lead us? So think on these things. This is the reason we have these qualifications. And you'll be very fortunate, I, um, I actually put them all down under a single point. So I can't say I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine points to go. I've just got one point with nine subheadings. And I've kind of summarised a few of them together. And we won't go very long in all of these. So these are the things that are in the passage we read from in Titus and also in the corresponding advice, direction, command that Paul gives to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3. And he says this, An elder must be above reproach, not open to accusation. Above reproach. We've just in the youth ministry, um, in terms of the leaders of Figs and Infusion, we've gone through and have a covenant drawn up for how it is that we might, um, the sorts of people that we are to be as leaders in the youth ministry. And one of the things that was in that covenant was to be above reproach. And the way I explained it, and I, I, I'll do this to help you as well in terms of above reproach, I don't know if you've ever had a close look at me. One of my ears is a little bit lower down than the other one. It's only about that much. Everyone's going to be staring at me afterwards. All right? But most people don't notice it unless you're an audiologist or something like that. And even then you probably don't see because you're only looking at one side. The only people who really notice are hairdressers. They go, you sure you don't want that longer? It's kind of, right? Just a little bit different. You don't notice it. But if I had an ear sticking here and an ear down here, everyone would know. And they would say not, like they do. You know the pastor with the long hair? 
Instead, they would say, you know the guy with the funny ears? That's the one we're talking about. That's what above reproach means. It means there's nothing that people can point at you. It doesn't mean that you're sinless. None of us are. It doesn't mean that you haven't got issues in your life. But it means there isn't a characteristic at you that people grab hold of and pull you down. You know that grumpy guy? That's the one. Alright? They can't say that. You know the one that's always late? That's the fellow we're talking about. Those are the sorts of things which are above reproach. We want people who don't have those pull-downs. There's nothing wrong with those that have the pull-ups. You know the guy that's always happy and graceful and kind and gracious? That's cool. You can stand out in those ways. But if those, those other ones that pull you down... The scripture says the person has to be above reproach. Why? Because they're an example. They're a steward of God's people. They have to have a track record. We have to protect the church. Be careful. Above reproach. Not sinless. And you can always find something about everyone if you look hard enough. If you really examine, you'll see my ears. And there's something wrong with one of my nostrils too, but I'm not telling you. All right? But if you look, you'll find. All right? But that's not what we're talking about. We're saying, yeah, it's not, it doesn't jump out and stand out and, and, and whack us in the head. Number two, the elder must be faithful in relationships. It talks about being a, a one-woman man. It's really saying, and it's a lot broader than that, because you know, I think theologically we have people who are single. I mean, Paul himself at this time was single. Whether he was married before or not, something to speculation. But he wasn't married. Right? And we have other leaders in the church who aren't married. Right? But it's someone who is faithful in relationships. They're faithful to their commitments, if you like. I think because it's such a big issue in the world, and it has been in the church, it does relate to this idea of sexuality in some ways. Moral and sexual purity has to be a hallmark of the person who's going to be a leader. Body and mind. They're to be accountable in those areas and they're to be kept accountable in those areas because they're the areas which often do pull the person down as an example. You just have to look through the history of the church in the last 20 years. And don't think it's just the last 20 years. You can go back the last 2000 and time after time after time. This is one of the areas where people pull down. So as you're thinking about the person, have they got a reputation? And is it evident in their life that they have that, that purity of thought and the purity of body in the way that they deal in relationships? That's the second one. Thirdly, they must be self-controlled people, not given to their passions. That doesn't mean that we can't be passionate. We're to be passionate people. But we're not to be allow the passions and lusts of, of, of life to, to have control over us. We're to be self-controlled. We're to enjoy life and we're to appreciate life, but we're not to get out of control when we rush after and do things. Last night we had a party for my sister-in-law and I have been trying to be good in how much I eat, but there was some roast pork. Chinese roast pork. And people weren't eating it. And it was just sitting in front of me. Not one piece. 
there were about 15 pieces with crackling on the self-control I only had 10 <laughs> right you don't let the passions go out of control right? what it basically means is the person who's going to be an elder has to maintain control of their be in control of their thoughts be in control of their body be in control of their emotions they're not to be drunk with wine is the example but it would be just as much to say they're not to get drunk with power they're not to get drunk with ambition. They're not to get drunk with possessions. They're not to get drunk with their own reputation. They're not to get drunk with their appearance in front of everybody. Those things aren't to be the controllers of what they do say and think. They're to be guided by God's word and they're to have it under submission, their body. This is what the scriptures talk about. Next, an elder must have a good reputation, track record, both at home in their family and in their community. Nothing that can be pulled down in their community. This is the type of person. Now there's discussion over what it means in Timothy about the children must believe and etc. etc. However we take that and there's, there's, there's disagreement in, in the elders at the moment in the past team as to what all that means. There's disagreement in the pastors as to what all that means. Right? But there is a a consensus that what it's saying is that the person who's an elder has to have a life that's shown they can manage. The outcomes of their life bear fruit, positive fruit in the areas of their responsibility, in their work, at home, in their relationships with their spouse. In that area, they have to have a good reputation, a track record. Next, the elder must be hospitable. Hospitality, someone who welcomes people into their homes and into their lives. In other words, they express the love of God practically, tangibly, reaching out and it's not just to family and friends those people that we know closely when the scripture talks about hospitality in terms of the church what we should do and in particular those who are to be leaders it means they they reach out to strangers to visitors and welcome them in they relate they share their lives with people and they have to be known for this it's a part of their the way that they deal and interact with people. They have to be those sorts of people. Next, they must be able to teach. This is one of the two skills that's talked about. We've talked about the other one beforehand, and I forgot to mention it then. The management, that's a skill. They're able to manage their household well. They've got a good reputation, that's a skill. The other one is teaching. They must be able to teach. Teaching is crucial to the church, it's foundational that we take the scriptures and we take the life of Christ and we lead others in it discipling, we're all called to do this and the person who's going to be a leader has to be able to do this, whether it's in a big group like this or in a small home group or one on one and for those who are up here on the stage, go and have a look at Ephesians and Colossians chapter, Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, it talks about teaching through singing 
and the songs that we have and expressing. We have to be able to communicate God's truth, show God's truth, lead and disciple other people. So the person has to have, if you like, that ability to share the life of Christ in them with others in truth, taking the word of God and applying it to life. Next, the elder must be sober in body, mind and spirit. This is fairly similar to the one on self-control, but more it's it's that fruit of that self-control, not expressed in terms of not doing lust, but there are a few specific examples where Paul says there are obvious lacks of discipline that happen across the board and elders aren't supposed to do that. They're not to overindulge in stuff. They're to keep control on their passions as we've talked about. But it also says they're not to be given to violence. They're not to be angry people, either physically or emotionally. And I'd go further, they're not to be argumentative. And and the word that's used in Scripture is contentious. They're not to be the sort of people who pick fights. But not only are they self-controlled, but also they're measured. They don't go too far. They think about situations. They're sober, thoughtful but they don't pick fights and are argumentative, they're not given to violence, they have that reined in. Second last, the elder has to be focused on Christ. It says they're not to be out for monetary gain. They're not to be out for wealth, they're not to be out for power, they're not to be out for ambition, they don't want to be popular. They're the sort of people whose focus is, I want to serve Jesus. That's what I want to do. They are committed to the Lord and his people. One of the books that talks about how you choose an elder says, it's the sort of person who you can tell the people of God are one of their first priorities. When they have an option of serving themselves or something else or coming and serving the people of God, they pick the people of God because they want to uplift and encourage amongst the church. And lastly, we've touched on this before, and the person who's an elder must be mature. It says that they are not to be new believers. There's time for us to see the evidence of this in their life, the the evidence of a Christ-like life being shown out in their relationships and their families in the way that they deal with things. Now, if you have a look at that whole list of people, I'll read them out to you again because that'll be fun. Elders got to be above reproach, faithful in relationships, self-controlled, have a good reputation, be hospitable, be able to teach, be sober in body and mind and spirit, focused on Jesus. Some people go, count me out. In fact, I can't think of anybody like that. And I think it, it comes back to this idea of reproach. We aren't looking for perfect people because we won't find any. We all have faults and failings. And many of us, as we look at ourselves, we know our imperfections more than other people do. And therefore it's hard to know where you draw the balance. And as as a church congregation, where do we go in that sense to find this? We know these are the qualifications 
that an elder is supposed to have or a leader is supposed to have, pastor is supposed to have. But when we have a name before us, we don't want to go up to them and say, excuse me, how many people have you had in your home this week? One? Only one? Sorry, it's uh, two. Two to get an elder. We don't have stuff like that. So how, how do we find that information out? Well, we're going to, when we get the nominations, let people introduce themselves to us as a congregation. So we'll see who they are. And hopefully we'll be able to talk about it and share some of the, the impact. Not, so what have you heard about this guy? What have they done wrong? What have you heard about this lady? What's she done wrong? You, you, you don't want that. But what we do want is this idea of prayerfully asking God to guide. But who is it that he wants to be the leaders? And that's the reason that if you in the, noticed in the bulletin a couple of weeks ago, we advertised that we're going to have prayer meetings throughout the month of October. On Wednesdays at 6 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock midday and 7 p.m. here in the auditorium. And it's, it's open for us as a congregation. Whether you're a member or not, come and pray and seek God to say who is it that should be nominated. Because it's God's the one who has put these people amongst us, these leaders. And we need to know his mind on it. We've got the scriptural principles in front of us. We understand what he wants. We can talk to godly people around us to help encourage us. But more than anything, as a congregation, as a group of people, as a church, we need God's wisdom and guidance in this area, in this matter. So I encourage you to fill this place on Monday morning, at, well, on Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. Oh, maybe not everyone at 6 a.m., but you're very welcome to come. Right? And throughout every Wednesday throughout the month of October we'll be praying. Lord, who is it? But not only will we be praying for that, we'll also be praying for the search committee as they look for the new associate pastor for the church, that they might have wisdom as they search, that they might know God's guidance. And then in the last week of November, before we come up to that members meeting, we'll have nightly meetings every night of the week again have an opportunity when we've had the names before us to seek as a community of God's people to say who would you have us as our leaders now I encourage you all to be involved in that to come together and to seek God's face the last point to note is the contentious issue that is contentious all the time about women elders Leaders and members here at SDBC and around the world in the church have a whole variety of views regarding whether women are permitted, according to scripture, to occupy the position of elder. Within the pastoral team, within the pastors, within the church community, there are differences of opinion. People who love the Lord, who are passionate about keeping the integrity of the scriptures, have prayerfully reached different conclusions. They've discussed it, they've thought about it and they've reached different conclusions. But they love Jesus and they want the scriptures to be kept and they're passionate about that. Such differences are, are not allowed to divide us. They should not destroy our fellowship and they must not destroy our love for one another. So we encourage you, I encourage you, let's continue to show grace and love. 
let's continue to seek God's will prayerfully, in humility and in openness about who it is who should be a leader here. But it's the position of the pastoral team that nominations are open to both men and women and that all nominations that come in will be received with thankfulness for those people who are willing and gifted to step forward. So let me encourage you in that to to be thoughtful and prayerful about who it is who might be nominated as an elder and that over the next week on Wednesday come and pray and every Wednesday in October come and pray that we might have the leadership that God has blessed us with. As you leave, and only if you're interested, there's a booklet, a discussion information booklet on, on the role of elders and the nomination of elders. It's at the back there. It goes through pretty much last week's sermon and this week's sermon and the information that's in there. So if you're interested in that, don't have enough for everybody, but those people who would like to and are going to read it, please take one. And there's also down the back some uh, nomination forms. Now, nominations for elders are going to close at the end of October the 31st so please um, if you have someone then feel free to take one of those and um, be in prayer about whom you might nominate to be an elder lastly in conclusion all the qualifications that I've talked about are something that must be a part of all of us don't just point to someone else if you've known Jesus for a period of time these things should be able to be said about you. I pray that you and I both might seek to make these more and more a reality in our lives. Let's pray and ask Jesus' blessing. Lord God, we thank you once again for your word that guides us and teaches us, that strengthens us and encourages us. And I pray that each of us might prayerfully and thoughtfully think through this issue of elder, those people whom you have gifted us and given to us to help to lead. Father, I pray that you will keep us on our knees, prayerfully considering. Help us to remain gracious with one another, not looking for those areas of failure so much as looking for the character of the person, the people that you have put here. And I pray that each of us might be encouraged as we examine our own lives to see the changes you have wrought in us in the time that we've walked with you and keep our eyes focused on Jesus, that the sorts of qualities, the sorts of character that are to be in a leader might be more and more evident in us and in our lives as we grow closer to Jesus. Father, I pray all of these things in the name of Christ our Saviour and Lord. Amen.